our sermon today. Jim, would you? There we go. Nope, that's all right. I don't have a, any sermon notes up here, so. It's from Luke 6, verses 1 through 5. If you'd please rise out of honor of God's Word. Luke 6, verses 1 through 5. That's found on page 1096 in your Black Pew Bible or up on your screen. Luke 6, verses 1 through 5. And I read in Jesus' name. On a Sabbath, while they were going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those with him. And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Let us pray. Father, I suppose as we come again to talk about legalism, uh, talk about the Sabbath and how do we live these truths out, how we apply them to our lives, I ask that you would send your spirit upon us, Lord, that these truths might impact our lives, that we might be changed, Lord, that we might represent these truths in our very lives, Lord, that you'd make us more like Jesus. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. (coughs) Thanks, Jim. So today we're going to be looking at the purpose of the Sabbath, and the Sabbath so the Sabbath was meant to be, it, it's one of the Ten Commandments. You shall remember, or remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Sorry, that wrong commandment jumped into my head. Um, they're all there kind of trying to push out. But, <laughs> terrible. So the Sabbath, it was, it was meant to be a day of rest. It was meant to be a holy day. It was meant to be a day unto the Lord. And so it's the seventh, the seventh day, so in the Jewish calendar, that was on Saturday. We celebrate the Sabbath on Sunday because Sunday was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And he rose out of the grave on a Sunday, and so we celebrate every Sunday as our little Easter. And so we take that as the Sabbath day. That's the day that we're going to remember. That's the day we're going we're to worship. That's the day when we're going to come and congregate together is on Sunday. I, some people worship on Saturday. Other people worship on Monday. No problem. Uh, it's, but that's why we worship on Sunday. And so when we're talking about Sabbath, we're actually talking about Saturday, but it's a day set aside for the Lord. And so as the, as the disciples were walking through the fields on a Sabbath day, now they were only able to go so far. Um, there were, the Jews had laws regulating exactly how far you could walk. They had laws regulating. And the laws, that the, the laws that were set about by the rabbis were, think about them like a protective shell. And so inside you have the Sabbath, and you don't want to violate that. You don't want to violate, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You don't want to violate that. And so what they did is they started to build these protective shells around the law. They started to build these protective shells around the Sabbath. And so to the point where in some Jewish neighborhoods now, right now, like today, elevators 
stop at every floor on, on Saturday. <laughs> I almost said on Sunday. Um, they stop at every floor on Saturday so that nobody has to push a button. Because pushing a button would be work. And I would struggle with that because I love pushing my kids' buttons. <laughs> but I don't consider that work. That's just fun. Um, and so we, we build these, sorry, I'm actually switching my um, sermon notes. But we build these, they built these institutions. And those institutions were, you know, what exactly does it mean by work? What exactly, how far, how far of a walk is it before work starts? You know, and I would say that depends on how good of shape you're in. But they said it, it had to be so far. But because they made these laws, they had to have caveats. They had to have exemptions. They had to have ways by which they could stretch these laws. And so you could only walk so far unless it was inside of your house. So what they would do is the day before the Sabbath started, and so the Sabbath started on Friday evening, what they would do is they would take a piece of their house, like a chair. They'd take that chair on Friday and they'd go and they'd put it somewhere. And now everything in between there and their home was their house. And so their walk didn't start until they hit that chair. Pretty clever because that's what God meant or something. And so that was, that's their Sabbath thing. And part of this was reaping too. You're not allowed to reap. And so what the, Jew, what the disciples of Jesus were doing, so is, is harvest work? Farmers, is, is that work or is that just playtime? You know, like, you know, I feel like having a good time. We're going to go and harvest. <laughs> oh, it's, it's work. And especially during this day and age when they were using a sickle and not a combine. So we can't be, have, we can't be reaping. We can't be harvesting. Okay, well, what does that mean? How far do you go with that? We're not allowed to reap. So does that mean you can't pick a fruit off of a tree because that's harvesting? No, you can't pick a fruit off of a tree. What if you're walking through a grain field and, you know, you let your hand slide through the grain and you pull off some of the, some of the seeds, some of the grain? Is that harvesting? Well, no, that's not harvesting. That's an accident. But if you rub them together and you get the husk off of that, now you're harvesting because now you're doing intentional labor. And so that's what the, Jews, that's what the disciples of Jesus were doing. Here, have you guys ever done that? Walked through a wheat field and pulled off some and rubbed it together and ate it? I've done that in a soybean field. That wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> never again. Someone told me to do it. It's like, oh, that sounds like, ah, sure. No. But wheat's a lot better. You know, so you can do that. But that was, that was reaping, and that was that one of those institutions that they had built up around the law because the law was sacred, and we have to make sure that we don't get anywhere close to that law. We have to make sure that we don't get anywhere close to breaking that law. But the problem ends up being that when you start building those institutions, when you start building those extra laws around your laws, you forget the purpose of the law. Because the law wasn't given just simply so that people didn't work on Saturday. There were other reasons. And so as they built these institutions, they were interpreting they were saying, no, it's about work. It's about not reaping. It's about not walking. It's about not pushing people's, I mean, not people's buttons. Um, it's about not pushing buttons. Doug, we would have a hard time with that. 
Yeah. <laughs> Pretty funny watching Lou push my dog's buttons last night, too. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but is that the purpose? No, it's not about the work. It's not about the work. It's about something else. But they focused on the work, and so they built these institutions, these layers about it, around it. And had God wanted all those layers, could God have built all those layers? Yeah. He could have built those layers. He could have told them exactly how far they wanted them to walk and where to put the chair. Still blows my mind. It, no, I'm not. There's other sillier ones. So I'm not going to get into those because they'd just be a rabbit trail. But had God wanted that, he could have done that. But God gave the law the way he gave the law for a reason. And so if you want to obey God, then you've got to obey what that actually says. Like, what's this actually say? What is God saying? Instead of us building all of these stipulations around it, because then we lose the vibrancy of the law itself, because the purpose of that law, there's actually a purpose there. Before we get into the purpose... Let's get into the presence. Because Jesus gives us, this, and, and I'll be honest, for many years as I read this, I was like, what is he talking about? This just totally came out of left field for me. Um, but some of the Pharisees, okay, and verse 3, and Jesus answered them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to some of those with him. So we're going to turn. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Samuel 21, verses 1 through 6. That is on page 1 Samuel 21. 311. 311. Okay, yeah, page 311. So we're going to read this story. He actually had a good, good talk with a friend of mine about how, you know, we can't take the knowledge of these stories for granted because we, we just can't. Um, they're not always known. And so David and the Holy Bread, 1 Samuel 21, verses 1 through 6, and 311 in your pew Bible. And David came to Nob, to Abimelech, the priest. And Abimelech, so Nob was the name of the city. Um, and Ahimelech, not Abimelech. There wasn't Abimelech, but this is Ahimelech. Man, and Ahimelech came to meet David, trembling, and said to him, why are you alone and no one with you? So now David and Saul were kind of having some problems. David was a servant of the king. The king's name was Saul. Uh, David and Saul were having problems, and it was a wide-known thing, well-known thing. And so David is now alone, and so the question is, well, why is David alone? Uh, David said to Ahimelech the priest, the king has charged me with a matter and said to me, let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you, and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread, or whatever is here. And the priest answered David, I have no common bread, no common bread meaning that anybody can eat it, on hand. But there is holy bread, if the young men have kept themselves from women. And David answered the priest, Truly women have been kept from us as always, when I go on an expedition, the vessels of the young men are holy, even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more today will the vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there is no bread there but the bread of the presence, 
which is removed from before the Lord to re be replaced by hot bread on the day that it is taken away. And so what's happening here is David is fleeing from Saul. He's running away from Saul. And in order to allay the fears of Himelech, the high priest, of Ahimelech the priest, he tells him, no, Saul's actually sent me. So David, David is uh, fudging the truth a little bit, quite a bit here. Um, he's, he's lying. There's no better way to say it. So David's lying to Ahimelech, and he says, but we need food because we fled. And the food that David eats, now David is, David's still a prophet. And so as Jesus is talking about this. He says, David is teaching us something here. These actions are teaching us something that this holy bread was available for the people within specific circumstances. What was the purpose of this holy bread? It, it was to serve God. Yeah, because they were serving God, but it, it was the bread of the presence. And so it was the bread of fellowship with God. So the purpose of this bread was really the same purpose of communion. We don't have communion here today. This would have been a better sermon to have preached a couple days ago, a couple weeks ago. But the purpose of communion is communion. What does that mean? Is it communion with each other? Yes. But why is communion communion with each other? Because we're all being united to a single head. We're all being united to Christ in communion. And so communion is communion with each other because we are communing with the same God. And so here, this bread of the presence was a bread of communion. It was a bread to have fellowship with God. And so the priests, they were holy, so they could then have communion with God. That's why the priest, Ahimelech, says, as long as they've been kept from women, I'm not going to get into all the, the regulations around sex. That's another sermon Probably won't be a sermon. Um, <laughs> no. So, but as long as they were, they've kept themselves pure from intercourse, basically is what be, is being said. As long as they're holy, then they can have communion with God too. And so David takes the bread, and this bread is a representation of communion with God. That's what that is. We're able to interact with God if we're holy. So that's what David's life is teaching us. And that's what Jesus is pulling into this. It's that as long as you're seeking God, you can have presence with God, even though the laws, because the laws are there in order to remove those distractions so that you're not coming, so you're not bringing the world into your communion with God. We have to have these laws. But the laws, Jesus is saying, they're really not the point. The point is the communion with God. The point is standing there walking with God. It's the presence of the Lord. That's the purpose. So what's the purpose of the Sabbath? It's to remove the distractions so that you can then have communion with God because that's what this story is all about. Why do we, why do we gather together and have these, you know, there's... Un, I'll ask you guys a question. Maybe none of you will be able to answer yes to this. Have you ever walked into a, a conversation and said the wrong thing? I have. Do you know why? 
you didn't know the rules of the conversation. You know, you didn't know what was going on in this conversation. You walk in, you think it's one thing, and then you say another. And you say, you speak according to that, but actually they were talking about something totally different. Or they were talking in a totally different manner. Or you come into a serious conversation, you crack a joke. That, that seldom goes over well. Um, I've done that before too. Um, you don't know the rules of the conversation. And so why do we, as we gather together as a church, there's unspoken, like, there's traditions, there's rules, even a church as young as ours. You know, there's still rules that get built up and this is kind of how we do things. Well, what's the purpose of those? It's to draw us into that presence of God. You know, why is it that we don't usually allow our children, except for the pastor's kids, obviously, to just run free during the worship service? <laughs> At least they're cute. Um, you know, why don't we do that? Well, because it's distracting. Well, you know, why don't we allow the football game to be playing in the fellowship hall while the pastor's preaching? But, because what? Because we don't have cable. Oh, that's what's going on. <laughs> because it's distracting. You know what? Why? Why? Why shouldn't we be checking Facebook or Instagram while we're singing? Because it's distracting. Because these things are actually, these distractions are keeping us out of the presence of God. These things that would have made the David's men unholy, they'd be keeping them out of the presence of God. These distractions, the distraction of work, oftentimes keeps us out of the presence of God. That we're not taking this time to set aside to worship God. Because to set aside that time, to make that time sacred, so that I have time to interact with God. Because as we're here in church, we're actually interacting with God. As we're having fellowship with fellow Christians. Not, this is not socialization. You know, We've been told with all this COVID stuff, you have to be careful with your socialization and your social gatherings. It's like, this is not a social gathering. This is fellowship. It exists at a totally different level. Totally different level. Because this is a place where fellow Christians can get together and encourage one another in their walk with God. That's a totally different level than getting together and talking about the twins or griping about the Vikings. It's usually what happens. Or oh, we're griping about the twins so far this year too. And so then we get these, these distractions that come in and they keep us away from the presence of God because we're no longer being pointed to him. Because we live in a world and we live in people that are twisted because of our sins. And as we're twisted because of our sins, we lose sight of God. Think about that. God who is everywhere, who created everything, who is powerful over anything, we lose sight of God. We start worrying about money. We start worrying about health. We start worrying about what this person thinks of us, or that person, or this situation, or that happening, or what's going on at work, or what's going on wherever. We start thinking about all those things. We get distracted by all the minute details, and we lose sight of the God who is powerful over everything. Does that ever happen to you guys? It happens to me. So what do I need? I need to set aside a sacred time. No, this is a time when I'm not going to think about those things. I'm not going to engage with those things. Why? Because those things are bad? No, those things aren't bad. But I need them to be put in the perspective of God. They're distractions when I'm interacting with God. And so then as I interact with God, I can bring those things to Him and say, Lord, you've got to take care of this, this situation and this situation. Because if I take care of it, I'm going to mess it up. 
And so Jesus says, what's the purpose of the Sabbath? It's the presence of God. And then he concludes this by saying, the Son of Man is Lord over the Sabbath. Do you know what that means? That means that the Son of Man is Lord over the Sabbath. He's the proper interpreter of the Sabbath. He's the one that gave it. Who has the right to give laws? Can, can Terry just randomly give laws? Stand outside on the street and say, you know what, you can't, um, you can't drive faster than 46 miles per hour. Like, that's really random. Terry goes, I'm Lord of this road. I can give the laws. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? Maybe not. Can't go any slower than 95. No, stay off the gravel going 95. Um, you know, you have to be Lord of the road in order to give the laws. And so the giver of the law is also the interpreter of the law. He's the one that has the intent. He knows his intent. So Jesus says, this is the purpose of the law. It's to draw into the presence of God. Because that's, that's the point of this story. David and his men were able to draw into the presence of God. They were able to have communion with God. And so Jesus is saying, you guys, you missed the point. The point of the Sabbath is communion with God. It's not about work or not work. It's about communion with God. It's about leaving the distractions behind and communion with God. That's what the point is. And so as Jesus says this, he's Lord over the Sabbath. He has the right interpretation. You know, people spend a lot of time studying the Jewish laws, trying to figure out, you know, how those things apply into American life and my life, how the rabbis thought about it. You know, we got to be really careful about this because the rabbis were not the lords of the law. Jesus is. And if they reject Jesus, the odds of them getting the law right Zero. Because he's the point. He's counselor. He's the one, one of the reasons I label it counselor is because of the, our men's Bible study. But he's the one that guides us in this. He's the one that, that gives us wisdom and understanding when it comes to me keeping this law. Because you know, for me, what does my sacred time look like? My sacred time might look different than Jean's sacred time. My sacred time, my time set aside for God, how this works at church is going to look different than Lindy's or than Mark's or than Janet's. It's going to look a little bit different. You know, one of the things that draws me into worship is actually serving, preaching. It's easier for me to worship preaching and serving than it is for me to sit and listen. I don't know why. This is how I'm made. This is more worshipful for me. Leading a congregation in the truth of the scriptures. This is worship. This isn't work. This is worship. Me opening the door for people as they come in and shaking hands as they leave. That's worship. To draw people into the presence of God. That's my desire. Because this is my God. And so he guides us in that. You know, for some people, it's times of quiet. Some, some people, it's jubilant singing, dancing. Who am I to judge their worship? Say, you, you can't worship like that. Because that's not the way that I worship. Wait, then I become the Lord of the law, right? No, I don't have the right to do that. You know, as... Janet's planning on starting to play drums. <laughs> that, sorry, that's an inside joke. Um, 
how can I say that's not worship? How, I'm not Lord of, I'm not, I'm not Lord of Janet. That's Mark's job. So no. <laughs> I'm not Lord of Janet. I'm not Lord of the law. And so I can't interpret the law for Janet. But Jesus can. And so as Janet interacts with Jesus, he can guide her in that. As Jean interacts with Jesus, he can guide Jean in worship. As Julie interacts with Jesus, Jesus can guide Julie in worship. This is what it means to draw into my presence. Does that mean that we can ask other people, like, what do you do? Sure, absolutely. But you know, if we're going to be drawing into the presence of God, it's going to look a little different because believe it or not, you're all a little different. And I say that with love. (laughs) So is your pastor. Because the purpose of this is Jesus. When Jesus says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, he's saying, I'm the center inside of all of these things. I'm the purpose. You know, what, what was the purpose of a manor? What was the purpose of the lands that the Lord owned? It was to support him, to provide for him, to guide him, to be a blessing to him. So what's the purpose of all of these laws? What's the purpose of everything we do? What's the purpose of all of these sacred times? Jesus. And so if you're coming to church in order to worship something other than Jesus, you're sinning. You're coming to the wrong attitude. You're coming to church, you know, because you're tired of feeling bad when you don't go to church. It's like, you need to come, to, you need to come for Jesus. Jesus is the point. He might have put that bad in your life in order for you to come to Jesus. I'm not saying that he wasn't. You need to come for Jesus. I go to this church because here's all my friends. It's like, are they leading you to Jesus? He's the purpose. I do this Sabbath because that's what I was taught. Is it leading you to Jesus? He's the purpose. He's the center. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So he's the interpreter. He's the lawgiver. He's the guide. He's the counselor. He's the purpose. To enter into the presence of God through Jesus. Any questions? pretty simple, right? It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about pews versus chairs. It's about Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that your Holy Spirit, that he comes to us to draw us into your presence. Lord, we thank you that the purpose of this is your presence. Lord, that you are here where two or three are gathered in your name. There you are as well. That is a worship service. Blessed be your name. Bless us now. Keep us in your presence, Lord, that we might bring your presence into a world that needs to know God. Lord, that we might better know God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.